Well, hello, everybody, and good evening. Charlie here with the All Portable Discussion Zone. It's a bi-weekly live stream all about uh, amateur radio portable ops. My name is Charlie. Call sign is November Juliet 7 Victor. And with me this evening are the show's two co-hosts, Dan, KC7MSU, and Brian, W7JET. And I am pleased to introduce to you tonight's guest, David, November Mike Zero Sierra. Thanks for being here. Uh, of course, we also have our regular characters in the chat room. All of you know each other, I think, by now. Uh, if you have a comment or a question, please go ahead and throw that in the chat feed, and we'll try to do our best to get the re uh, response for that. Also, don't forget that this show is converted to a podcast and is available through most podcast players about 24 hours after the show's uh, over. So let's get caught up on what's been going on and uh, get around the room. I think I'll start uh, today. And uh, first, I'd like to mention that we just had a special uh, show uh, yesterday morning, Saturday morning. We normally broadcast every other Saturday, every, sorry, every other Sunday at 4 p.m. Pacific Daylight Time, which is 2300 UTC. But uh, Bruna from Begali Keys, we had her on. And of course, she's in, in Italy and the time difference and stuff like that made it so that we needed to do a, a, a special episode for her. So uh, go ahead and check her out. That was a great interview, and uh, it was a lot of fun to talk to her. Uh, but we're really excited today, actually, to have David, uh, NM0S, with us. I actually met David at uh, Four Days in May and also at the uh, uh, Hamvention this last year, and and uh, did a short interview with him and uh, found him to be a very fascinating person. And so uh, we are looking forward to talking to you, David. But uh, Dan, what have you been up to? Well, Charlie, um, it was the last weekend we had the Arizona CUSO party. So I participated in that with uh, Brian and a few folks. And uh, outside of that, I've just been uh, practicing some CW. I've uh, been listening to some of Kurt's uh, tapes, uh, Morse Code Ninja. So just kind of trying to catch up on that uh, for use a little bit later on here. Cool. All right. And Brian? Let's see. Where, what have I been doing? Well, it's been 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 busy, busy, busy. We had the uh, QSO party at the house. Ran a lot of code that day. The uh, the Superstition Amateur Radio Club did really well. Um, as a result of that, we had I think 520 Qs and somewhere around 80,000 points in the unlimited multi operator uh, category. So hopefully we'll we'll win it again. We won last year, and I've uh, been going to a lot of places with work where there's abundant soda. So I think I did four or five activations in the last two weeks, um, all 10 pointers out in the Sholo and area and uh, Safford. I've been doing antenna work, um, working on getting my VHF antennas back up after a windstorm took out the, the vertical. So we've got a new vertical put up. And today, actually, I just ran um, coax four and hung up the um, so a couple months, maybe a little longer than that. I built a co-linear of quarter wave antenna for uh, 220 out of um, a QST article and that's up and running and it's a pretty cool antenna it's really broad banded and it seems to be working pretty well so I'm back on the yarn 220 now and I know man I just keep going here the um, I decided to take a chance and buy a um, not quite working right GPS off of eBay because I, I looked to happen to stumble upon a way to repair the screen and I got a uh, got it the other day and I ordered a new display from uh, uh, a place in uh, off the the interweb, and replace the display. And lo and behold, for a little over a hundred dollars, I got a brand new, essentially a brand new GPS that's a couple of years newer than the one that I've been using for a while, and it's got Bluetooth on it. So pretty stoked about that. Awesome. All right, 
That's yeah. That's that's what I've been up to in the last uh, last week. Pretty active. You've been a busy man. That's yeah, awesome. Man. Yeah, man. Cool. All right, David. We're over to you now, buddy. So uh, again, it was a pleasure meeting you a few months ago. Uh, but uh, we have you on now. So can you uh, uh, tell us what you've been doing? What do you got on your bench, or what you what any projects or anything you've been up to the last few weeks? Okay, I'm missing a lot of your audio. Uh, I'm guessing you're asking me to, to introduce myself and current activities? Yes, yes. Thank you. Okay. All right, yeah. Uh, I'm Dave Kripe, NM0S, uh, live from Mountain Vernon, Iowa. Uh, I've been busy uh, this summer uh, as, as chief kit designer for the four-state QRP group. We have... Uh, Given, been given a rare opportunity, uh, a, a design donated by Jack Burdum and Al Peter, uh, their SDR transceiver, the T41, which they demonstrated both at the most recent Ozark Con as well as uh, this year's FDIM QRP conventions. And it is a modular radio with uh, designed with the experimenter in mind uh extremely capable extremely high performance and a little bit out of uh the the usual wheelhouse for the qrp community but it's uh very exciting in terms of its capabilities now that said it's entirely um a, a different matter of having a prototype and making it into a reproducible kit so that has been my summer of getting prototype boards made and distributed amongst uh, beta testers. And we're starting to get reports in from our, our beta testers. Hope is that uh, we'll have kits available by the end of the year, and it will definitely be worth the wait. It's uh, a, an amazing kit. Uh, check out uh, our progress on the 4S webpage, and uh, you can see our front panel at the very least. Uh, an additional activity I've been going through this summer is a resurrection of the the the, the famous and uh, and rightfully so uh, NorCal 40A kit. This was um, it, it's 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 an older kit. It's it's been out uh, quite a few years, and uh, because it is. Uh, so solid in performance and design. A textbook was written around it by David Rutledge, and it was used by a number of engineering schools as a, a class project for which to teach electrical engineering and RF engineering specifically. Uh, and unfortunately, there are currently no manufacturers of that kit. Uh, we the, There are quite a few obsolete components that make kitting this this design really problematic. But what I've taken upon myself is to find alternatives for all the obsolete parts, relay out the board, and come up with something that's as close to compatible as the original design as possible, and then make that available to these universities. And uh, we've got uh, prototype kits in the field right now with intention of fielding the, the first of those kits in December. And once we get those out the door, I aim to make that kit available through my own website uh, here towards the beginning of next year. And cool. that 
that's plenty to keep myself busy. <laughs> cool, cool. Well, uh, thank you so much. I, I hope that our uh, latency and stuff like that is is not too much to overcome. But uh, uh, thanks for sharing that information. It's exciting, especially the four days in May kit that I saw there. That it was cool. Well, yeah, it's uh, the largest QRP convention in the world. It's very well attended, and you can go there and meet the guys who write the articles in QST and our own uh, periodical, the QRP Quarterly, and everybody is really friendly, and it's uh, a great time. And if anybody has an interest in QRP or homebrewing or Joda, Joda, uh, Poda, Soda, all of those uh, portable operations, come on out and check that out. It's it's a great uh, a great event, and it, it runs the same weekend as uh, as the Dayton Ham Fest, uh, with activities in, on the Thursday before the Dayton Ham Fest and during the evenings throughout that weekend. Yeah, cool. I appreciate you sharing that information. We'll dive a little bit more into that and have you explain in more detail what that's all about. But let's back up just a minute and see if we can get a little back, more sure. background uh, and uh, your, a little bit about your personal life, kind of what led you to the point where you're at right now. Because I know you have a in, very interesting background uh, in who you worked for and some of your history. Oh, goodness. Yeah. Well, um I kind of backed into this career. Uh, I, I'm an electrical engineer, specifically designing radio for uh, uh, the big place in Cedar Rapids, Iowa, that, that should need no introduction to the hams in the audience. Um, I uh, was not an electrical engineering major in college, but uh, my roommate, Jeff Fisher, AB5E, said, Dave, you need to get your ham license. And so I did. Um, and then upon graduation, kind of thought that uh, working in the radio field would be kind of fun and interviewed with a number of places and uh, uh, had a, had an interview with the, the folks from Westinghouse who had just gotten a lot of money for the, the new Star Wars program. This was in the mid-1980s. They were just trying to hire a bunch of engineers. Uh, met with one of their, their representatives, and he looked at my resume and said, oh, Dave Kripe, uh, KA9MCV. Well, well, my name's George, and he gave me his call sign, and for the next half hour, we talked about ham radio and nothing else, and I got the job, and the rest, as they say, is history. And uh, I've been very blessed to work in radio-related uh, design uh, for most of the uh, 35 some years that I've been an engineer. That's cool. Uh, what about your uh, family life? Do you have any kids, a wife? Uh, what's, uh, what's it like on the home front? Well, looks like we got uh, a little bit of a disconnect here. Yeah. yeah. Let's hold froze. on. Yep. Let's hold on for just a minute and see how it goes. Sorry, guys, who are watching. Um, we'll just pause here for a minute and see if we can uh, get him back. <laughs> uh, Richie's ready room says, I'm jealous of how clean Dan's office is. <laughs> <laughs> 
it's not like this very often. Uh, you can see from mine, it's it's uh, much messier. And then uh, I've been in Brian's before, and uh, I don't even he, he can speak to his own mess. I mean, uh, office. Oh no, my 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 workbench behind me is a is an active workbench. In fact, it's a lot cleaner now than it was about an hour ago when I was uh, making cables. So made a made a bunch of cables this morning and and got more stuff done so we're, we're ready to expand the uh the vhf capabilities a little more cool well hopefully yeah hopefully you get that figured out uh yeah, brian brian says it's not an, a live stream without something interesting happening and isn't that the truth huh <laughs> absolutely yeah I'm, I'm surprised to this day that bandit has not gotten into one of the shots because normally he gets really impatient but i think it's just because there's somebody else to entertain him right now <laughs> oh. Andy Callie says the internet uh, connections have been bad all day. That's a entry. Yeah, that's too bad. And then uh, uh, QRP Life. Uh, I always forget his actual name. It's uh, Matt. Oh, here we go. He says, uh, "Hold on, let me get this back up here." He says, "I I got my first job of, out of college mostly because." The boss was a ham. It's more than just a ticket to get on the air. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, cool. Very that's true. Cool. Yeah, it's it's amazing the number of hams that uh, their employment is related to another ham sometimes. So it it definitely helps and it makes uh, makes makes uh, job interviewing very interesting and fun. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm back. I believe. Okay. Good. Uh, no no video, but that's fine. We, we're, <laughs> you're, you're you're just fine without. Okay. Um, okay. So we got to the point where you, let's see, what, where were we guys? I can't even remember. <laughs> um, doo -doo -doo. Oh, you were asking him about uh, family life. If you have yeah, just, uh, wife, oh, yeah. kids yeah. or anything, wife, kids, any of that, just kind of family life stuff. Any, how's that for you? <laughs> well, uh, my wife is Sarah KF zero JFX. My youngest son is Christian. K-E-0-Y-K-M, and my daughter is Lily, K-E-0-J-O-L. Well very, done, sir. Well done. Very proud that uh, that uh, two of my four kids are licensed and uh, working on the older two boys. And, uh, and, and, and there's a great story behind that, too. I had... Uh, uh, you know, I, I, I have friends in the ham community, and I see them, and they have their their spouse licensed and their kids licensed and and they go off and have a field day operation by themselves uh my my friend jim funk uh n9jf is is a great example of that all of his kids are licensed i wanted to be able to have those same bragging rights and i i worked on my kids and worked on my kids and and saw each of them pass through that that uh that window where you can be of that influence and, and go off and, and lose, uh, lose the opportunity to get them when they were young. And, uh, my, my youngest son, Chris, I, I, I worked on him for years and years and he, uh, he took the exam and failed and took the exam and failed. And, uh, my friend, Tim Bush N zero CKR, who runs a one-day license exam will tell you that his biggest demographic of people who fail to get their technician exam are teenage 
boys who've been dragged there by their ham fathers to get their license. <laughs> well, that'll explain a lot, yeah. <laughs> so anyway, um, I had I had worked on him forever to try to get him licensed. And, uh, well, he, he went off to school and uh, studying uh, audio engineering at uh, University of Iowa. And uh, he and a bunch of buddies just decided to uh, investigate uh, hobbies that would uh, improve their character. And so they all started working out and studying philosophy and uh, experimenting with uh, uh, cooking and, uh, and, and just trying to improve themselves. And uh, one, one evening, one of the guys was, was sitting around and saying, well, what other manly hobbies can we pursue? And one of the other guys says, well, why don't we all get our ham radio licenses? And uh, my son says, hey, hey, I think I can help you here. <laughs> so yeah. all of those guys went off and got their ham licenses, including uh, the, the current president of the University of Iowa Amateur Radio Club and uh, my son as well. So bless his heart. Uh, he's now working uh, with a, a radio broadcasting group and uh, his, his ham radio helped him get in the door there, too. That's amazing. That's very good. Uh, so uh, WA7JNJ uh, has a question or no, a comment. He says, very awesome about the family members being licensed. My YL is actually starting to ask about ham radio questions once in a while, uh, maybe soon. So he's he's hopeful. So yeah, and my wife is, is a ham as well. So is uh, Brian's. And so that's pretty cool. Um, oh, awesome. Good job, guys. Yeah. Uh, David, before we get into, we're getting, I think the next thing I want to talk a little bit about is, is the... Uh, uh, QRP Amateur Radio Club International. Just dive into that just a little bit. But before we do that, we do have a question already in our chat that I'll I'll pop up. I don't know if you can see uh, when I pop up the questions and comments or not, uh, since you don't have the video up. But uh, the question is, what's a good, affordable, and effective antenna for good QRP work? And this is from my friend Larry over at Ham Radio Live. He has a great uh, live stream. He does almost every day. And uh, so I encourage you guys to go check him out. A very, very good friend of mine and uh, has a good show. But anyway, uh, what would you say to somebody who has that question? Oh, goodness. Um, there are a great multiplicity of antennas that are available. And I highly encourage everybody to build your own. Uh, not to take anything away from the, the people who make them for sale, but this is a, a great introduction where you can you can learn some basic construction skills and how to solder and uh, and so on. For most of my use, I, I use an off-center fed 40 meter antenna that's good for eight, uh, 40 through 10. Uh, but you know, it, it doesn't even have to be that sophisticated. Um, a random wire with a tuner will work just fine. And uh, most of the, the QRP uh, kit people will have a random wire tuner that will let you run a wire in the available space that you have on your QTH, tune it to your uh, rig, and it will still let you get out and make, make contacts. Cool. Uh, let me just, I don't want to get too deep in the weeds, but could you just kind of uh, let people know maybe 
four or five, the, the main four or five steps it takes to build an antenna, like to build your own like that, a simple one, like a dipole or an off-center fed or something like that. What, what steps would you take? Uh, you don't need to go too far into the weeds, but just kind of generally. Oh, well, um, it, uh, uh, start with uh, kind of what you have available for space and, um, and, and what your limitations are at, uh, at, at my current QTH, um, I am kind of restricted in terms of what I can put up that is visible from the street. And I have seamless aluminum gutters front and back that are 32 feet in length and uh, tying some wire to the to both of those and running those to a coax inside the, uh, the, the vinyl siding on my house. I have an antenna that is completely invisible. Uh, so if that is your restraint or constraint, work with that. If, uh, if you can run a wire into your backyard from uh, the window of your shack to a nearby tree, and that's what you want to use, go with that. But uh, don't let any hurdles hold you back. Uh, yeah. one, of, one of the things you have to remember is that perfection is the mortal enemy of good enough. And any wire is good enough. Cool. So, but uh, appreciate that. That's that's a good starting point. Uh, what if somebody doesn't have a very deep background of? Uh, uh, there's some guys in the. Can you grab those, uh, Brian or Dan, in the chat? Uh, yeah, it looks like we got it. It looks like we got a uh, um, something that invaded there. Yeah. I don't you see block, that. Block those, if you will, please. Sure. Um, the question is. What about what tool? I mean, like if somebody doesn't have a background like that, what would you where would they go? I mean, there's got to be some sort of a, a plan or a schematic or, or instructions on how far how, how to cut the antenna and what types of stuff needs to go in there as well. Um, where would you find that those resources? Oh, you know, the ARRL handbook is is a must. If you want to be a ham, get a handbook and it doesn't have to be anything current. My goodness, uh, you pick up something, uh, uh, your public library has a, a sale and sells off obsolete books. Find something from the 50s, 60s, 70s, and it will tell you great information on how to build an antenna. That information has not changed in the past few generations. Yeah, it's, it's still the same, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Brian and Dan, you have any questions before we go on to QRP ARCI? There we go. Had to unmute. Dave, I was I was kind of curious, you know, you you worked for some uh, manufacturing, some uh, broadcast transceivers and, and such. Um, so how did you get in, you know, interested in QRP? Do you have a, a you know, a 2000 watt AM broadcast station in your garage as well or, or, or what? <laughs> um... Well, actually, I, I have a, a homebrew 160 meter transceiver or uh, transmitter uh, using roughly 1935 era tubes. Uh, wow. All homebrew. <laughs> uh, 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 the the PA tube is a 203A, and push pull pair of those. But uh, that that's currently covered with dust and cobwebs. I don't have a good uh, QTH for 160 meters. But um, when I um, first was hired on as an engineer, I realized right away that my 
practical knowledge of the stuff that I was going to be getting into and building was was pretty pretty weak. And I went out and subscribed to every ham radio magazine and electronics magazine there was. And one of the very first ones that I got was a CQ magazine QRP issue. And uh, that one, uh, the circuits were simple enough that I could understand with my uh, with my uh, relatively freshly minted ham radio knowledge. And I built a lot of the projects from that magazine and that more than anything else cemented my interest in QRP as something that uh, uh, a young guy without a lot of experience could could pick up and build and use and and learn from and that kind of steered my direction in in radio and electronics from that point yeah I I really enjoy too um uh, your comment on your QRZ page about when you got your your call sign that you currently hold, would you? Uh, I thought that was really great. Uh, could you let the audience in on that? I thought it was wonderful. Well, um, I have uh, always preferred to be uh, or, or, or retain the custom, which used to be the practice of the FCC that whenever you moved from one district to another that you would uh, have to change your, your call sign. And so every time that I've moved from one district to another, I've upgraded the call sign. And in moving to Iowa in 2007, I decided, well, by gum, this is this had better be the last time I move. And so I'm going to get myself a vanity call and make this a good one. So I, I scoured the, uh, the listing of available call signs and saw NM0S, which is a fantastic visual pun of uh, NMOS uh, semiconductor technology. And uh, well, the day that that call was available, I entered the request at 12.01 a.m. Eastern time and lo and behold, got it and uh, was <laughs> very delighted that I did so. It, yeah, uh, it's a, a beautiful call for Morse code, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I like that. I like how you said it's a it's a tribute to all the N-channel MOSFETs that have met their demise at my hands. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. Coffee cans. Uh, <laughs> coffee cans full of uh, little dead soldiers. Yeah, that's that's why I paint the uh, the walls in the lab uh, quite often due to things that kind of fall apart and blow up and stuff. So. Yeah, but uh, uh for building, I was kind of curious too if you could go into a little bit about you know what you do for for design and what kind of tools and and uh, test gear that uh, you would recommend as far as uh, if you want to get into uh, you know kit building as well as perhaps having your having a, a, a go at uh, doing your own design of a QRP transmitter. All right. Um... The technology that is out there right now for circuit simulation has gotten to the point where it's mm. it's user friendly and easy to use and accurate enough that you can design and test a QRP radio electronically on your laptop without ever having to melt solder. Uh, the the simulation tool that I use is LT Spice available from uh, analog devices analog.com 
and I model every sub-circuit of a design and ring it out using that tool before I, I ever commit to uh, a prototype. And I, and that that really is is the practice of real professional engineers, uh, where where everything is simulated, and uh, the technology is now accessible enough that there's no reason that the average hobbyist can't do the same. And and that goes for not only uh, electronics but also antennas. There's great antenna modeling software as well. And yeah, from I... that, yeah. I just say I actually I've used I when I was in my uh, I went back to school late I I, got, I went through and did some other degrees but I just recently in the last few years went to, uh, to a community college for a electronics degree just a associates and yeah they had us using LT Spice to to model things out it's a great piece of software I think yeah and I I was surprised uh, for one of my projects I did a uh, I got it to run under Wine in Linux. Yeah, and it ran very well, surprisingly. So that's an option for all the, the Linux users out there. Excellent, excellent. Uh, from that point, I uh, generate a schematic and uh, will lay out a circuit board. Uh, and a couple of the tools that I use for circuit board layout, uh, there is easyeda.com, which is a web-based uh, circuit simulator, schematic capture, and PC board layout tool. And it's very user-friendly, very powerful. It's got a huge library of components that you can, you can pick and choose from that really make laying out a board very quick and easy. Um, so, uh, Dave, uh, there's a guy in, the, in our chat, Brian WM8G. He has a question on that last one. <laughs> So if the model doesn't work, does it let out simulated smoke? Yes. Oh, you know, I think every uh, uh, <laughs> every simulation designer should should uh, think about that. That would be a wonderful feature. For sure. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, sometimes I will breadboard a circuit uh, if it's if it's something sim simple. Uh, and, and that can be everything from brass nails driven into a pine plank and wiring point to point on that, or dead bug on a piece of copper clad board or perf board. But uh, time being of uh, extreme value to me and the, the number of demands on my time, Many times I will go straight to a PC board layout before I actually breadboard anything, get a board back, stuff it with components, and look at it. And sometimes, well, most times, what will happen is uh, the thing will work with only minor component value changes required to, to meet spec. Uh, and one of your earlier questions was what kind of test equipment? Um, yes. A good 100 megahertz oscilloscope is can get you through 90% of all of your, your design requirements for, for most QRP and HF uh, designs. Uh, recently, I've added a spectrum analyzer and uh, a nice uh, signal generator. And with those, you can, you can do almost anything you can think of, transmitter tests, uh, receiver tests, um, and end up with equipment that can 
can can rival commercial equipment. Cool. And it's amazing over the last several years, there's been several other manufacturers who've come into those spaces and and uh, they're very inexpensive for extremely capable uh, oscilloscopes and spectrum analyzers and signal generators. So, you know, there's there's a lot of options that didn't used to be there maybe 10 years ago. Oh, very true. Um, but, you know, uh, there's good stuff to be found at HamFest as well. Yes. Yeah. It doesn't need to be expensive, that's for sure. Right. So there, you know, some people have uh, uh, don't have the confidence, I guess I should say, maybe to start with a uh, with laying out their own schematic and doing their own, uh, you know, uh, build uh, homebrew. Uh, what about uh, the kits that you build and stuff like that? And before we get to that, there's a there's a, a guy by the name of uh, well, he he goes by uh, QRP. Uh, QRP Life. Uh, he's a great friend of ours on the show, and uh, we appreciate him a lot. He just donated some money, so I wanted to recognize him for that and appreciate that. He says, here's from an earlier generation, but let me shout out Adrian Weiss and his book, The Joy of QRP, as an inspiration for the art of QRP operating and building. So thank you for that, QRP Life. I appreciate it, buddy. Um, that's Matt, by the way. Uh, I Sometimes I forget his name because he doesn't have it in there, but uh, appreciate it. So, uh, Talk to us a little bit about some of your kits that you build, and uh, and I would say, uh, and and maybe some of the philosophy behind uh, getting started with. Uh, you, you wouldn't. Some people aren't ready to just jump right into homebrew, and so the kit building is a good way, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. You know, that was one of the the other motivators for me getting into the hobby. Is uh, you know, when I was a kid, there was always a Heath kit catalog sitting on the end table by the sofa. And, uh, you know, my, my dad looked through it and would, would dream about the color TV that he might want to buy and, and build as a kit. And, and uh, well, I, I would go through and see, oh, gosh, look at that HW7. And uh, how many more summers of, of lawn mowing will I have to do before I can buy that? Uh, but the, 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 the ad copy on that was... Uh, just wonderful and describing the the worlds that you could open up with a, a QRP transceiver and and Heathkit yeah uh, uh, I, I love to buy the old Heath kits and get them running again and really have great respect for the the design that went into them to make them buildable troubleshootable uh, and make them user friendly to someone of modest skills and that was uh, a set of skills and a, a philosophy that I've always tried to uh, put into the things that I design because um, there are, I'm, I'm convinced, uh, a new generation of budding hams and young people for whom a good quality kit that works and is useful could open up doors for them to let them follow the same uh, career paths that, uh, that I and a lot of other my friends have followed as well. Cool. Yeah, I'm, let's. Uh, I wanted to bring up your website, your QRP page, and QR, QRZ page, and stuff like that. But we do have a couple more comments here. I wanted sure. to get to. One of them was uh, from David. He says, "My first kit was the HW8." He said it was fun. And uh, then uh, Don says, "I bought my fully assembled HW8 just before I, I, I the local 
Heathkit store closed. Awesome. And then uh, Richie's radio room, he says, I traveled the world with my HW8. And so that's pretty cool. And then uh, I really like my new radios. And he said that uh, he wished he never sold his. So, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, let's bring up your website here or the QRZ, QRZ page anyway. And let's uh, take a look at some of the things that you have listed. Um, let me get over here to it. There we go. And zoom up a little bit. So here's here's your QRZ page with some of your history. But then right down here, all these are linked to the uh, four, four state QRP uh, organization. But uh, this first one here, the Crick Key, uh, what is that? Okay, that was or that that is one of my most recent kits. That is a uh, little paddle key with an integrated keyer circuit only uses two ICs but uh, you can mount this on a on a board and uh, right there you have an iambic keyer and key that you can interface with your uh, QRP radio it's very simple uh, just a handful of parts and it can go together in an afternoon right there huh very cool and, so it looks yeah. like it's it looks like it's part of the it's like you, you, it's similar to the cricket that you have on your exactly. Uh, so it's I have, intended, I have yeah. a cricket forty actually. Okay, Unas unassembled. <laughs> so talk about that for a minute. Let me bring that picture up right here. Here it is. Okay, well the the cricket is actually a series of kits, uh, 80, 40, 30, and twenty meter versions, and that was designed as kind of a uh, a replacement or an alternative for the notorious pixie ah yes and the the pixie oh my gosh you, you see them everywhere online you can get them on ebay and amazon for three or four bucks out of china it's a complete kit and uh you get uh, a pc board and uh a hand and the, and the the 30 some parts that comprise it and it's a just an awful, awful little radio. But uh, the simplicity has endeared itself to QRP hobbyists. And uh, despite how poorly it performs, uh, there's there's thousands of them out there. And uh, and just through just through the the sheer number of them, there's a lot of contacts that have been made using these pixies. Well, with just a little bit of design work uh what i've done here is try to come up with a radio with significantly improved performance and features that uh would be something that i would recommend to somebody with a little bit more than beginner construction skills but as a completely integrated radio uh you've got the built-in morse code key there on the side and the the nine volt battery attaches at the top and uh, headphone plugs in at the bottom there. And it is a fixed frequency one watt transceiver, all self-contained. Uh, I'll point out uh, one of my other little trademarks is the, the circles there in the center of the board are actually PC board spiral trace inductors. So the inductors are pre-made on the boards themselves. So the, the bane of every 
QRP hobbyist winding toroids is no longer an issue with this radio. That's very neat. Cool. Cool. Yeah, I haven't built mine yet, but I, I sure plan to. Uh, let me just go to the Facebook page here real quick. We'll go through some of these other ones, um, but I just wanted to show uh, when I was advertising this interview, uh, somebody said he, he has the none simpler transmitter, but I think it might be called something else capable of upwards of 80 watts, and he said he loves it. Uh, is that actually the a different one, or is there such a thing as a none simpler? super simple. Is that the one you're thinking of? Um, there is an NS40 down at the bottom of the page. Just here, huh? Yes, that is probably what he's thinking of. There's also an 80 meter version I don't have on my page here. It's here, huh? Yep. And that was, that was right. That's the first kit that I did with the spiral coils. It's retired for four states, but I do sell that through my own website. Okay, good. Good. Cool. Uh, what's you, what are you most proud of on this list here? Oh goodness. Um, or, or maybe is it is it maybe that design more than the actual QRP kit or um, the Nouveau seventy five up towards the top of the page? Yeah. Um, those with some history in QRP will remember the retro seventy five, which was a seventy five meter AM QRP transceiver that was designed by Dave Benson, a very famous designer over in New England. And that was a fabulously uh, well-received kit. Hard to believe that you can indeed make contacts in AM mode using QRP, but there were many, many of those kits that were built 20-some uh, years ago. And uh, when parts became obsolete and the kit went out of production, uh, there was a great cry from amongst the QRP community to bring back that kit uh, because it was just so, it, it filled a niche. And this was designed as a, an upgrade to that kit with a, a synthesized frequency source and a transformerless modulator using a class G circuit uh to my knowledge that's the only uh am transmitter that uses a class g modulator with the exception of the gates radio mw1 transmitter uh clear back from the mid-1970s that's very interesting cool and so you you're most proud of of your of this for you then huh oh yeah uh it's it's been very fun the the, the people who've built it uh uh, I, I get a lot of good comments on it uh, of guys who will break into uh, uh, nets amongst uh, broadcast transmitter users, and uh, they they frequently get comments on the good quality of the, their audio, and it's really, really gratifying to hear back from satisfied builders and users of these kits. Very good. Very good. That's cool. Cool. Uh, let's see. We have about 15 minutes left. I really still, I do want to get into the uh, Amateur Radio Club International and uh, Four Days in May a little bit oh, and yeah. talk a little bit about your uh, your experience in your own QRP operating and what you specialize in or how, what you like to do. So, but, but before we move into there, is there anything else you wanted to mention about the kits that you build and uh, offer uh, that uh, the, the audience might want to be interested in knowing? Um. 
I, I will just point out that I, I wouldn't design something that I wouldn't want to build myself. And it has to be fun and it has to be useful. And if, if it's not either of those, then, then why waste your time? Uh, <laughs> exactly. So that, that is something that I try to put into every one of the kits that I, I come up with. Well, that's appreciated. Absolutely. Thank you. Uh, Brian, do you have anything you want to add at this point or, or not? No, no, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm just absorbing all the info and enjoying. Good, good. Okay. I, I, I like how uh, it looks like your the kits are not um, uh, small parts. You know, mostly through hole kinds of designs and stuff. So it's it's much easier to assemble than the the very teeny tiny parts uh, that are surface mount. Well, I, I will point out that the Nouveau seventy five is a hybrid kit. It has a lot of surface mount parts that are pre-assembled uh, at the factory from the, the place that I get the PC boards from. And the power components, the electrolytic capacitors, the connectors, the controls are all through hole. And so there are still a lot of parts that have to be assembled to the board by the builder. But all the, the little painful surface mount stuff is is not something that he has to worry about. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Uh, Rich uh, Matt says here, Rock Might Forever. He, he, I guess Matt likes the, the, the Rock Mites. They're, they're a good little radio, aren't they? Yes, they are. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. So let's see. What about uh, the QRP Amateur Radio Club International? Uh, I know there are people in chat and also people who will uh, watch or listen to this later who won't know anything about that. So can you take a minute and just explain what it is to people? Okay. Um, for amateur radio operators, uh, one of the things that I really emphasize to people newly getting licensed is reach out to your community, become active in organizations, not just your, your local uh, group of guys. Um, there is so much wealth of information you can learn from and the social value of interacting with, with other hams really adds to the hobby in ways that just picking up an HT and getting on the air will never duplicate. Now the, the QRP ARCI Amateur Radio Club International, I believe we just celebrated our 50th anniversary. Uh, so, so this club has been around for some years. Uh, I had been a member of it for, uh, oh my, I think I've been a member about 30 years myself. Um, but I never attended the convention, the four days in May until, uh, 2010. Just never got around to it. And, uh, even though I'd been dabbling in QRP, uh, up to that point, it wasn't until actually making the commitment to go to the uh, four days in May, which is the annual convention of this group, that I really uh, got to meet all these legends in in the field of amateur radio, and not just QRP. Um, uh, take my word for it. Just attend one year and... Uh, uh, look at the name badges and you will be amazed at the number of people who've written for QST or CQ or uh, people who own kit businesses, radio equipment businesses who show up to that and are such a wealth of information. And uh, uh, 
it's it's a fantastic time and and a really good time to to be amongst other people in the radio community. Cool. In fact, uh, let's see who do, who. Let's see. There were two people: Asha Farhan, yeah, and uh, and uh, the guy from Germany. What's his name again? That does the the QRP, uh, the the little kit. Uh, they were both. They both spoke uh, at this last uh, conference. Yeah, you're thinking Hans Summers. Hans Summers. Yes. I to me, those are the the two that I had most admire, and I actually got to meet both of them at this convention. Uh, so where where is the convention and when is it? It is held at the Fairborn Holiday Inn, uh, just east of Dayton. Uh, it's actually between Dayton and Xenia. It's very well uh, located for a, a quick shot into the Xenia Fairgrounds. Uh, it is Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, the weekend of the Dayton Ham Fest. Thursday is a full day of tech, technical forums. And then there are, ev there are evening events Thursday and Friday. And then Saturday is the awards banquet, which is a fantastic time to just get out and socialize uh, and uh, sit uh, at a table with a group of other uh, amateur radio operators with a, a love of QRP and building. And uh, uh, it's... Truly, truly, one of the the best weekends that you can spend if you're interested in in ham radio. Absolutely agree on that. Let's see. I have uh, a couple questions. So first of all, um, uh, KE five ES. You said I just realized this is live. <laughs> yeah. Uh, if anybody who's watching this right now has a question or comment, please put it in the chat. And we, if it's a, if it's a good question or comment, we'll we'll throw it up there for you uh, to get answered. Uh, also, uh, Richie's radio room. <clears throat> he says, I'm a member of the Color Burst Liberation Army. And awesome. I am too. I am too. And uh, I, I, for those of you who don't know, well, why don't you explain what that is? Okay. Yeah. Um, the in, in old school color televisions, the, uh, uh, there was a crystal at uh, 3.579 megahertz used for establishing uh, the color burst pattern in in, in the, the color picture. And as a consequence, that crystal has been made by the billions, I think. And they are everywhere. Uh, Radio Shack had them forever. And you can still still find them. They're, they're a, a tremendously common part. But they are also within the QRP window for the 40-meter CW band. And there are an avid group of operators who hang out at that frequency using their little color burst crystals and homebrew transceivers and uh they are the color burst liberation army i will point out that the cricket ad transceiver uses that frequency as well yeah and, and that's uh, that's cool i i had i've never heard that before so that's yeah. really interesting and then in addition to that i just want to make a plug for uh, bill mars podcast uh solder smoke podcast and he actually uh, was uh, carrying the banner for some time uh, to uh, get more members of the Color Liberation Army. And uh, that's where I learned about it. And he encouraged everybody to, to create their own, um, what, what, what was it? That it was a Michigan Mighty Might, I think. Right, he, right. Yep. Right. To, to do that. So that's a very simple circuit that you can use to, to get going. So cool. Thanks for bringing that up, Richie's Radio Room. 
Um, okay, so let's see. So then uh, we've got uh, QRP ARCEI covered. We've got Field Four Days in May. I think we're down to just you personally, uh, what your radios are, what your antennas are, what you like to operate uh, in QRP. Just, just tell us a little bit about you and your operating uh, experience and style for QRP. Oh, goodness. It's, it's pretty eclectic. I've got, uh, oh, quite a handful of commercial gear and it, it, uh, oh, varies from a FT817 to, um, uh, IC705, uh, got FT101 and, and yes, not all of these are, are QRP and, uh, uh, I, I hate to say it, but, uh, most of the time, uh, my QRP operation is uh, putting together one of my new kits, and I will run it a handful of times until I'm satisfied that it works, and then it goes on the shelf, and we start a new project. Um, That's so, actually yeah. not not very surprising. I think most people who are engineers and 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 do homebrew, that is what they do because they enjoy the experience of creating a circuit that will actually transmit and receive. And then once it's done, yeah, they get it on there for a little bit and, and then repeat the process over and over again. And I hear that over and over from multiple people that are in, you know, similar to you. And my passion is not in operating so much as it is to bringing more people into the hobby and particularly uh, young people. So a lot of times I will do field testing of new designs in conjunction with a, uh, a Boy Scout ham radio activity. Uh, this is the Jamboree on the air weekend, I'll point out. Uh, our Troop 40 here in Mount Vernon was operating out at uh, Scout Camp. Uh, I wasn't there this year. This is the first time I've missed in quite a few years. But um, the boys get to build kits from a notorious radio designer and uh and it's it's my goal to see as many of these guys licensed as possible at last count uh in a troop of about 35 kids we have had 20 licensees uh since we started uh our radio club about uh five six years ago wow you know what i have to just point out how incredible that is because i have i have uh, participated in a, a scout troop for many years and also um i am uh participated in jamboree on the air and actually uh hosted that for several years uh with the kids and uh i had upwards of uh, several hundred at one point uh from different people all coming together for the jamboree i think we only got you know one or two kids that uh, actually got their license so that's that's incredible uh, you, you have to have a little bit of peer pressure. Uh, you've got to get, have a critical mass of uh, a certain number of kids and parents. But once that, uh, that number is reached, then it becomes a bit of a contagion. And uh, uh, once you can see uh, a fox hunt in, in progress or uh, take your HTs up to the boundary waters in a high adventure outing, and see that these are actually something useful that can work where a cell phone won't. The that lesson gets driven home, and uh, the hobby sells itself. Yeah, absolutely. All right, everybody. Well, it's uh, we've got three and a half minutes left before we wrap this up. Man, did this interview go quick? Uh, oh, it did. 
<laughs> um, let's uh, go around one more time here. Uh, let's get, give uh, people in the chat an opportunity to ask any more questions or comments that they might have. And then we'll go through. Uh, I don't know if uh, Brian or Dan has questions uh, to wrap it up. If they do, we'll let them do that. And then we'll give you the last word uh, on, on uh, uh, any, any remaining thoughts that you might have you want to share with people. So let's start with Brian. You know, the only thing I was thinking of is maybe it's a little bit of a long question for now, but it kind of popped when uh, the surface mount stuff got brought up. What what do you think is going to happen as that becomes more and more of what's only what's available and a lot of the other components sort of go away? Um, how is that going to affect the builder community? Oh, well, I mean, there are still builders who uh, uh, duplicate 1920s era radios with vacuum tubes and uh, storage batteries. Uh, there's there's going to be an inventory around forever. Uh, through hole 555 timers will 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 <laughs> uh, will outlive humanity. I think they're the cockroach of the electronics world. <laughs> uh, so yeah, there's there's always going to be through hole components. I will point out that obsolescence is a real issue, and uh, it's something that uh, as a kit designer is a real pain. And uh, it's it's an effort to try to stay ahead of all of that stuff. Okay. Cool. I know I'm personally planning on handing down my vast uh, enterprise of through-hole parts to my children, and I'm sure that they will enjoy that into eternity. Oh, sure. <laughs> all right. Let me see. For me, let's just go through and get a few more comments and questions. So uh, JT says, uh, uh, Morris, uh, ZL to CTM. Has a great YouTube channel where the builds come, uh, where, the, where he builds homebrew radios. I think I recall him mentioning the color burst. Yeah, that's cool. I haven't, I don't haven't checked out that YouTube channel, but that sounds interesting. Uh, then we have a, a K8DRT. I'm going to us to to staff for K2BSA next year for the National Jamboree. That sounds yeah. like a lot of fun. Outstanding. And then. Uh, uh, very cool. Thank you for your efforts in sharing radio with the youth from WA7JNJ. I think building some of those kits, you know, at a Jamboree on the air uh, location probably is is a great idea. Uh, I've never, you know, thought about that. You know, usually you just try and get somebody on the air, but uh, getting them using their hands and building building kits uh, is, is a good a good way to get them uh, interested in, in actually getting building something and then seeing it actually work. Absolutely. You know, a, a, a crystal radio is still a great introduction. There's some uh, uh, designs that you can build outside of, of anything commercial. Uh, one of the first years I did Jamboree on the air, we did that as a, a building activity and the old boys got to hook the radios up and listen to a Hawkeye football game that afternoon. And uh, lots of fun. That sounds cool. Uh, let's see. So Mr. Uh, Sparkomatic says that four state QRP service mount dummy loads are great. I second that. I have one that I use all the time. So uh, that's good. Uh, Richie's Radio Room again says through-hole parts will get cheaper over time, it sounds like. And uh, KE5ES, where, where can wafer crystals for 243 holders be found? Ooh, very few oh. crystal uh, providers in the United States anymore. Hamfests and eBay. Hamfests yep. and eBay is it, huh? All right. Well, all right, David. Well, uh, we're, we've we've reached our time. The only thing I, I guess uh, I would say 
kind of unrelated to this, but there is a live stream going on right after ours. That's Jason, Ham Radio 2.0. So uh, if you have an opportunity, go on over and check him out. And uh, he, uh, I think he's just started uh, streaming right now. But uh, David, it's all yours. Let's let's uh, give you a chance to wrap it up. I re we really appreciate you being here. What other things might you want to share with the with the group as far as uh, just anything? Oh well, uh, hey, uh, we've covered an awful lot this afternoon. Um, I will just encourage you as here listening today as amateur radio operators to consider your legacy. Uh, we are all kind of gray-haired for the most part. Uh, think about what our hobby is going to look like in 20 years. And if you want it to be healthy and growing and uh, still something that people want to do, uh, consider your actions. Consider how you can reach out, influence other people, young people in particular. Show them how ham radio has made your life more fun, more colorful, more rewarding, and uh, share that with them. And you do that, and we will keep our hobby healthy. We will keep our hobby fun and interesting and uh, something that our kids and grandkids will continue to want to do. Very good. Thank you so much. All right, David, uh, we're going to end the stream, but if you could just hang on while uh, while we uh, uh, wrap things up, and then we'll we'll do a little post-discussion with you just for a few minutes, if that's okay. Sure can. Okay. Uh, with, well, then, David, thank you so much for coming. I really appreciate it, and uh, we hope to meet you again next year at uh, the uh, Dayton uh, Hamfenshin, uh, four days in May, if you, go, if you go. I assume you are, since you're still the president of the club, but I uh, hope to see you again. Absolutely. All right. Catch you later. 73, everyone. Good.